0: to our wonderful podcasting studio here at beautiful downtown Darlington Road in Chippewa. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, inside the studio has walked Michael Jackson, the ghost of Michael Jackson. Good evening, Michael. <laughs> if he shows up, Fred, the party's over.
1: <laughs>
0: Get out your camera. Get out your phone right. Yeah, Because <laughs> this podcast is about to shoot right up the chart if that happened. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> this this is what happens at the end of the thing.
1: This podcast is made possible by the Social Voice Project.
0: Tony LaVorna's Legends and Lore Podcast explores the history and tales of ghost stories, mysterious crimes, murders, UFOs, witchcraft, and other occult happenings still thriving in the greater Ohio Valley region, of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, and beyond. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Tony LaVorna's Legends and Lore. Folks, today with me, I have Miss Leah Madden. Leah has a very unique gift. She is both a psychic and medium. She has assisted in a number of police investigations. She also possesses the ability a psychometry psychometry for those who are not in the know is the ability to discover facts either about an event by touching an inanimate object that was associated with the event or a person who has come in contact directly with the item Leah how are you today
1: good how are you
0: fantastic thank you thanks for being on this episode well I'm very interested and have always been an avid um, collector if you will of information and in in meeting someone who is actually a medium and a psychic. Uh, This is actually my first time uh, to actually get to interview someone who has this gift. I know some look upon it as a gift, some look upon it as a curse, or somewhere in the middle. Uh, Let's dive right into things. Leah, how old were you? Can you tell our audience uh, when you first experienced these abilities or this gift?
1: I began when I was around two My mother said, and I vaguely remember this, uh, waking up from a nap, crying, that the nurses were hurting the burns on one side of my body, and I was hysterical. It took her a while to calm me down. Well, the next day, my year-old cousin accidentally had knocked over a pot of hot coffee on the side of his body, and he ended up having second to third degree burns. And from there, it just continued to grow.
0: Oh, so wow. So let me just recap there. So what had happened to you was you were feeling on your body the injuries that your cousin had received
1: the day before
0: the day before I,
1: I saw it I dreamt it I felt it the next day he accidentally it was one of the old percolator coffees he was by the stove and he upturned it on the one side of his body and ended up with second to third degree burns on the side that I was insistent upon that the nurses were hurting the day before
0: my goodness what did what did your mother uh, first say when, when she realized this event or did she did she kind of blow it off
1: no she was very my mother was a very open woman she was a very avid reader on anything paranormal unnatural 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 unusual, what have you, cryptozoology, she read it all. And uh, she was very curious. She was very open-minded. And at that point, she knew it wasn't something to just shut the door on. She was very encouraging. And she's probably the reason why I am the way I am today, because she encouraged it, both her and my father did
0: so you would say both of them they they made a change in your life because they they were accepted
1: yes they were very
0: receptive uh, of this which is usually another question that i often a- like to ask my viewers is how do your friends your family look upon this and in, in what you do because for those uh, listening uh, leah does this as an everyday event and thing for her uh much like you and i go to a job Leah's job is using these abilities uh, while she helps others.
1: yes, it it was a very long, hard road uh, growing up, uh, trying to understand, you know that I was different. Like I could be, you know, at a family event and somebody could walk in. I would see colors around them and thinking, oh, and know instantly what kind of mood they were in.
0: Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: an uh, in instance, I was probably about five, probably about five or six. We were at a family uh, Thanksgiving event and i remember a couple of cousins had walked in and i instantly knew she was very upset i could see colors around her which was her aura you know and i was very standoffish from that point because i knew something wasn't right with her and she was very upset
0: now when leah talks about her you heard her refer to an aura from my understanding leah and please correct me if i'm wrong that's that's a light that is given off by a person that someone who is either a psychic or medium can detect is that right in yes. different colors yes would represent what would represent different feelings or
1: different feelings uh where they're at emotionally mentally physically it's it's the erythric body around um the person so it's just being able to denote what colors mean
0: what and and what could you give us an example for our listeners what would blue mean something different from red or what
1: red usually means very angry someone that's very very angry uh blue is somebody that's usually very calm uh green depending on the shades they're very much of a healer or they have health problems if it's very muddy
0: now, I know before we came on the year, uh, you had uh, told me a, a wonderful story about an incident, I believe, when you were a little girl at first. I, I'd like to go over it again. I, I, I think you called it the captain's story. So, so tell our uh, listeners about the captain's story. It's one of my favorites.
1: Uh, yeah, years ago, my, my, my parents had friends in uh, Washington area. They had a kennel. Uh, their house was uh, very, very old. It went dated back and was part of the Underground Railroad. So there were many things that occurred in that house. that I remember. Yes, a lot of history and a lot of different spirits. Uh, there was a very old-fashioned um, staircase, okay? So you had to go up it, then there was a landing, a bathroom, and then another staircase, and then a full landing that led to the other rooms. And I remember we would go visit and I'd stand at the bottom of the stairs thinking, I have to use the bathroom, but I have to get past the man. And I know he's up there. He knows I'm here. So I would run up the stairs and slam the bathroom door. And then of course, when I'm done, I go to leave and he would either be on the first landing or he'd be up top of the landing on the second half. And he was always, it was very dark. And I always just, he had a hat, a particular kind of hat. And he just, he was a captain. That's all I ever got. He was the captain.
0: When you say you see this image, is is it like a, a tangible image, like a, like a holograph? What, what are we talking?
1: He was like a solid form but he was always dark. Like he was always shaded in dark blues or dark grays, dark black.
0: Did you get a, like a negative feeling from him or, or?
1: Just curiosity. And it was like, what are you doing here? He was always curious as to why I could see him. But it was terrifying as a child because it's like nobody else could see him but me.
0: Because I know myself, I'd have probably hauled butt up that staircase <laughs> and locked myself in the bathroom until I got help. I know that. I, that's interesting. That, that That's a wonderful story that I, I love to hear you tell. Tell our listeners a little bit too... It always intrigued me When someone is a medium or a psychic, and and maybe you could start there for us, could you give us a little bit, uh, perhaps elucidate, I guess, a little bit and and show us the difference between someone who's considered a psychic, someone who's considered a medium, and what the differences are?
1: A a psychic is more of a person that can see things, they can do readings, you know, they have the ability to see, you know, what what has happened possibly in the past or what may happen in the future, Uh, they have a very high intuitive sense, a medium, person that has direct contact and can speak with, um, those that have passed on, um, deceased and, t- you know, deceased, uh, loved ones, what have you, uh, spirits. Uh, and when you put the two together, it's basically, it's a person, a psychic medium, they can do all of that.
0: So it's like a multi. Yes. You yes. have, you have multi abilities when, when you are a medium.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay, I see. And I'm also an empath, so I pick up things on that end as well, picking up on emotions and feeling people and knowing what's going on around me.
0: Now, with being an empath, I'm, I'm going to stop you there. Do you actually feel a physical pain being inflicted or, or on someone or, or how does that work? What are the dynamics?
1: I normally just pick up what they're feeling, like an emotional sense. I might pick up on their pain, depending on who the person is, if they're close to me. Um, but I normally pick up on their thoughts or like a, their feelings and what they might be going through emotionally.
0: Earlier on, we, we spoke of uh, psychometry. Explain for us a little bit of how that works with you and in, in what you do on a daily basis for people on
1: a psychometry. I can either take a picture of someone or an object, a piece of jewelry, whatever is you know is part of that person, and I can touch it and tell you, or look at it, you know, as if it's a picture. If it's a picture of a person, um, about that person themselves, or touch an object and tell you what happened with that object, what's attached to the object, you know, I can tell you the emotions, what's going on with that particular person that had the object, that owned it.
0: Wow, that's that's incredible. It truly is. How. We already spoke that you've conducted investigations on a daily basis. How many would you roughly say that you go through in a week or a day? How does this work?
1: Uh, It depends on the week. It depends on the season. Um, I do read the tarot. I do read regular decks. I do um, past life readings. So it's like a, it's a mishmash of things that I do with my clients when they, you know, when they come to me, if I get a phone call. Um, I might do anywhere from three to four a week, possibly, sometimes two a week. I have to stretch it out because if I do too much, I get kind of wiped out. Um, It takes a lot of energy to do what I do.
0: I I would imagine. It sounds like it would. So, so So it is taxing on you every time you're using this ability. Yes. So tell us this. How did you get into this current field? How did you decide this is what you were going to do?
1: I think I've, I have always knew it, even as a child, you know, having the mother and father that I had, uh, looking into things, reading and just learning and having different teachers come in and out of my life. And at a certain point, uh, friends of mine, Terry and Brian Seach, uh, had invited me to their meeting, which was the Center for Unexplained Events and also CCS, Center for Cryptozoological Studies. Uh, we had meetings and from there it just kind of opened up for me the door. Also also, uh, I'd had a working interview with Proof, which is the research organization of Freedom PA, which they deal mostly with uh, ghosts and hauntings. So it's like it just, the door just opened and I kind of just stepped in and it just, that's how it ended up.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Can, can you tell our listeners perhaps about one of your more interesting cases or a case you'd like to talk about on the air?
1: One was with Proof. We had gone to a home residence. Somewhere in the area, and it was just to do like a, an investigation. There was some disturbances in the house, and it concerned a three year- old boy, and he was being um, tormented more or less. So we had gone through the house. and as we go through, I walk into his room, and it was like a major vortex. There were all kind of spirits in his his room. It was and what I call, there was a terrifying man that would torment him, one of the spirits. It was like, you look in his closet, it was like a revolving door. Then we went into the parents' room and it was also, the closet was like a revolving door, spirit after spirit after spirit. And at one point, I remember there were some people, we have a group and they have their equipment and so forth. And as I'm talking to each spirit that I'm seeing coming through, at one point I was like, oh, you have horns. At that point, there were a few people that kind of left because it did get kind of frightening because it wasn't just spirits. There was more to it. There was a lot of negative energy and an, and an entity that was very negative and not welcoming.
0: Now, would that be considered a demon? I, I'm sorry, I'm a novice to this. I
1: would say that particular one was a demon. And I remember going downstairs and we weren't planning on doing any type of uh, cleansings. And I was like, I cannot leave knowing that this boy, this child is being tormented. I don't care whether if I'm getting paid or not, this is going to get done. And I did I did not get paid, but I was able to calm things down. Uh, I went in with the group that I'm with and we saged, we did our blessings and it seemed to settle things down. And when I had gone up after afterwards, I went back up to the boy's room to take bay leaves to put under his bed for protection. And the one spirit that he always talked about that would come to him, it was a woman. She stepped up and she said, thank you. Like I saw her. She was waiting for me. She said, thank you, because she always watched over him at night and tried to protect him. So it was it was very touching for me.
0: I'm, I'm sure it sounds like it was fulfilling too. You were able to help this family yes. and that child. Do you find often that your family and friends, do, do they understand what you do? I mean, from, a, from an outsider's point of view, obviously, the rest of us don't have have that gift or ability.
1: I would say that my, my friends are the most supportive people that I have. Uh, they're very supportive. They help push me. They help give me the support that I need to say, no, you can go ahead and you can do this. I'm very grateful for that. My family, uh, both my parents are now deceased. I'm an only child. And I have one or two family members that are supportive, but for the most part, they typically don't agree with what I do. It, it's very difficult because it's, they're not accepting of who I am.
0: What would you say was a, a turning point in your life with doing this? Because I have to, I would have to assume that it has to be fulfilling, too, to be able to help people.
1: Oh, a turning point. I've had many turning points. It seems like it went in increments as I got older, and it would grow. The gift would come in like different guises, different ways. It would grow and grow and grow. Uh, probably my turning point, which I don't want to get into it too much, was when Flight 427, prior to it going down, and then when it went down, and helping a lot of those that had been on board that had perished, crossover. And it was a two week period. I think that was the first time that it was really a major turning point for me and realizing this is what I need to be doing. This is what I do. And this is who I am.
0: That's most incredible. You know, as I sit here, I, I want to represent the audience. So I know some of these cases, I'm sure very close to you. And I know you probably are not able to bring yourself to talk about all of them but in a general sense can you tell the listeners who may have questions about what it's like once you pass or or to talk to someone from the other side
1: whether i go into an investigation if it's a house investigation or what have you or even if we're in the woods or if i'm doing you know having a client come and sit in front of me and having a deceased loved one come through It's very, very different each time, but it's very rewarding because it's not only allowing the person, especially if you have a client or someone that needs to talk to, say, a deceased father or a deceased sister, it gives them that closure. And it also helps the spirit on the other side. Say, I I got to say what I needed to say to so and so. Help me tell them that I'm okay, you know, I'm all right, I'm with so and so over here on the other side. I'm happy, I'm doing things, I'm sorry, please forgive me if you know if there were things involved with their death. So it's usually just a very emotional time dealing with both, but it's also very rewarding.
0: What would you say, I I know you also have worked in conjunction from time to time with the authorities uh, to help try to, with cases and such. What is that like from from your point of view? I mean...
1: It's something that I, it's very difficult. I usually do it from very, very behind the scenes. I'm not normally like right up there with them. It's usually like somebody will come to me and say, we need information, can you give us information? And I'll do what I can. And then they pass it on to the authorities and usually it usually pans out, 90% of the time it pans out.
0: Now that that totally is so interesting for me. Walk us through, and you don't obviously have to use the one from the police, but but walk us through like an investigation, or or, or when you are brought into a home, or to help a person. What what is it you normally do as part of your everyday investigation?
1: If I go into an investigation, whether it's with um, QCCS or with Proof, especially if it's at a building, okay. Normally, I am s- set aside into a different room, and the, the group, the rest of the group, takes what they call the historical walk, the walk through, get a feel for the place. When I go in, I go in blind, and I'm kept in the background.
0: Now, what do you mean for our listeners? You go in blind. You're saying no information.
1: No information. I. The only thing I've requested because of certain things that have happened. What am I coming into? Is it something negative? Is there something that I need to be aware? Of? of. Other than that, I don't know anything historically. I don't know, you know, I go in blind, completely. Like I don't have any information pertaining to that particular building. Uh, One in in fact was, uh, it was a church in um, our surrounding area. We had gone in, it was a nighttime investigation. It's a historical church. I didn't know anything about it. Put me in the back, luckily always with food. (laughs) (laughs) I get my time and they go for the historical walk and then they come back and then they have their little break and then we go through. And from there just progressed that, you know, um, it was a Presbyterian, Methodist, Protestant type church. And as we're going through, we're in the church area, and I'm like, I'm seeing a nun. This doesn't make sense. She wants me to know that that, hey, I'm here, I'm teaching children, I'm a nun. I had come to find out that the Catholic Church that was across the street used to use their their church for Sunday school for teaching their children. So, yes, the nun was there.
0: How interesting. So so uh, let me interject right there. Are you able then to see people from different times, different walks of life?
1: Yes. Yes. I see past, present. I mean, it's it's all the time. When I lived in South Carolina for about eight months in the Paris Island area, down in Beaufort, I remember living in the mobile home that I lived in. Um, this was many years ago, and you could hear the, the the men on the battlefield. You could hear the soldiers crying and screaming at night. So it's just I've had many different different experiences at different places.
0: Now, do you find that you try sometimes to, uh, as they say, shy away from certain areas because because of your abilities? Um, perhaps graveyards or say Gettysburg or somewhere where there has been a violent skirmish or war?
1: The only thing I try to shy away from is usually more of the negative energies. I, I, I don't necessarily enjoy working. I have and I do, but it's not something that it's an enjoyment for me. I have been to Gettysburg several times. I've had many, many different experiences.
0: Was there any you'd like to share?
1: I was with uh, friends we had run into bed and breakfast uh and we had gone up and at the time it was only like myself my husband and our friends uh, there were two like there were four of us and we got the pick of what room we wanted so we go through and our friends picked their room and i go back and i was like oh this is no let's go to this other room okay so we stayed there for about three or four days and we go to check out and leave and the gentleman downstairs who owned the property, him and his wife said, I just have a question. Why did you not pick that back bedroom? I was like, because of the kids, there was too much noise. There were too many spirits and they were running up and down the stairs. I never would have gotten sleep. I said, but the other room was okay because the guy was there and the woman kept walking her baby back and forth. And I and he just sat there, went completely white. And he said, you just described the original owners.
0: My goodness.
1: And that was back in the 1800s.
0: That's their daily, what they were performing yes. probably in yes. life, their daily. Yes." That is tremendously incredible. Now, how would people get in contact with you if, if they needed to? Do, do you have something set up for that or?
1: Uh, I just have my cards. Usually I have somebody either call or send me a text, you know, if they're if they need help or they get through the groups that I'm affiliated with.
0: Most fantastic. I understand you're going to be at the Butler uh, Paranormal Convention. You're going to be a speaker, is that correct?
1: Yes, I'm going to be a speaker.
0: And and can you tell our listeners what the topic is going it's to be? It's going
1: to be about vampires.
0: Tell us a little bit about that in closing.
1: Uh, let's see. I started when I was around 13, so I've got about 37 years experience. Of studying and researching and experiences on vampires, I consider myself a vampirologist.
0: Okay, what what is a vampirologist exactly? What
1: a vampirologist is someone that has studied and has has the knowledge, understanding the different types of vampires, the the folklore, the medical aspects, having experiences. That's basically all it is.
0: That's incredible. Well, that is incredible indeed. Tell me if you can, in just a few short words, what was maybe one of your most uh, famous cases recently that that you want to share?
1: Uh, probably I had gone with Terry and Brian Seach. We had gone to Hinsdale House. Um, that was probably one of our big bigger cases that we had done we were actually invited by amy perry lane and her group and it's a plethora of different things you have uh, the house itself is haunted you have different types of of other entities you have uh, cryptos throughout the property it was it was very very interesting and it was the first i will honestly say when i'd gone into the house and i'd gone upstairs once again going in blind and not knowing what to expect but amy had invited me because she needed confirmation on things and that was the first time i actually met my first so to speak serial killer that Uh i dealt with Um, it was very interesting it was horrifying but interesting at the same time but the house was definitely haunted the premises was also haunted like i said there was a plethora of many different things that occurred on that land
0: wow that's incredible now when you experienced these uh, like you said you you ran into a serial killer experienced that how does one handle that
1: it's, I become a different person. I don't know how to explain it, but I become different. I, have, I become more firm, I guess. It's, it's talking to an individual, a spirit, and being like, no, this is how it is. You, you, ha- you can never show fear when you come up against a spirit of any type or anything. You can never show fear. You might be terrified inside, but you don't show it on the outside. You remain calm at all times.
0: And why is that? Do they draw on that uh, negative or that fear or that energy? Yes.
1: The moment they know that you're showing fear and you're afraid, they're going to feed off of it. They're going to go with it. They're going to attack. They're going to torment. There's many different things that can occur. It's like a dog. If you show a dog fear, they're going to come at you. It's the same thing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Leah, that is all my questions for today. Miss Madden, thank you so very much for joining thank us today. You. I hope you'll come back in the future. And perhaps we can dive into some other issues as okay. well on that topic. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Move down the darkest corridor of the inner mind. ESP is a fact across the comprehensions of reality. Science fiction. Is it? Beyond the shroud of your subconscious. Back farther back and into the sixth century if you like what you've heard be sure to like rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app to a production of the Social Voice Project. concludes our broadcast. Boom. And that's a wrap. You did great. Thank you. You did
1: great. Okay.
0: (laughs) You did great. How about that?